0: So our question for today is, why did Moses and Aaron not get to go into the Promised Land? So the story is told in the Torah as follows. It was actually, we read it a few weeks ago, Parashat Chukat, but we had a different topic that week. That the people came, Moses led the people to Kadesh, Kadesh Barnea, which is identified as the southernmost tip of Israel, of the Promised Land. So they're right at the edge of the Promised Land. And so at this point, the people came, uh, at this point, the people, uh, at this point, um, they had wandered through the desert for 40 years. Uh, Sorry, the people came to Moses, it was in this week's parasha, and complained that they wanted to send spies. And they ended up, they didn't want to go into the promised land as a result, and because the spies came back with the report, as we said earlier, with a bad report, they didn't want to go into the promised land. God made them wander through the desert for 40 years. So they wander through the desert 40 years, 40 years later, 38 years later to be exact because they're already a year into the desert, 38 years later they come back to Kadesh, back to where they started. They're back at Kadesh <laughs> and now all the people that had left Egypt are dead and there's a whole new generation has now grown up. And they have no water. They come to Moses and Aaron and they say, we have no water. Why did you take us out of Egypt to die here in the desert? We wish we would have stayed in Egypt rather than die here of uh, thirst. So Moses and Aaron, Moses um, gets upset at the people and he turns to God. God says, take your stick and go speak to the rock and it will bring out water or produce water similar to something that happened 40 years earlier when they first left Egypt and they had um, ru- they didn't have water God told Moses to take his stick and hit a rock and water came out of the, of the rock and so God is now essentially telling Moses to do the same thing so Moses turns to the people and says listen you rebels do you think he's all the people around this rock he says listen you rebels do you think water will come out of this rock and then He lifts up his stick and he hits the rock two times and lots of water comes out and there's plenty of water for all the people and all their animals. That's the way the story is told in the Torah. The next verse, God turns to Moses. God says, Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me and you did not sanctify me, make me holy in front of the people. You will both not to get, get to lead the people into the promised land. You will both die in the desert. Which, and then indeed, a um, couple verses later, God tells Moses that they're at the next stop, Mount Hor. God tells Moses, tell Aaron to go up to the mountain, go into a cave, and over there he's going to die because you rebelled against me at the waters of Meriva, the waters of quarrels. Later, in Parashat Pinchas, a few chapters later, God tells Moses, you yourself, once they've arrived at the edge of the Promised Land, you yourself are going to go up to Mount Nevo, a mount that overlooks the Dead Sea, and you will see the land from there, and you will die, because you rebelled against me in at Sin, which was... The, where, uh, which was the region where Kaddish was um, when you did not sanctify me in front of, with the water in front of the people later at the very end of the Torah when it's actually time for Moses to go up the mountain and die God tells him again the same thing you are going to die because you did not sanctify me make me holy with the waters you did not trust me and you did not make me holy but what's unclear is what exactly did they do wrong If you read the story of the Torah, everything seems to have gone according to plan. It doesn't appear they did anything wrong. God says, you did not trust me, you did not make me holy. But how? What did they do wrong? The Torah doesn't bother to tell us. And this question is one of the big riddles of the Torah, where the Torah makes it very, very clear that Moses and Aaron in this incident did something wrong but it doesn't tell us what it was. We don't know what it was. Don, you had a question? Yes, you say that uh,
1: no one was left from the original people that came out of Egypt, yet Moses and Aaron were left. How many others are you not telling us were also left, Their sons and daughters or others, Uh, and why did they survive?
0: Thank you for asking for clarification. most and Aaron eventually don't survive, they're here now, but they don't li- live much longer. Um, the Torah is very clear, two people survived, Joshua and Caleb, the two good spies. They both made it into the Promised Land. Um, those that were, those only those that were over 20 at the time of the Exodus died. Those that were under 20 at the time of the Exodus survived. Um, there is. Some question as to whether those who were not counted, the Torah says, all those who were counted in the original counting, the 603,000, all died minus Joshua and Caleb, uh, excluding Joshua and Caleb. Um, The Talmud discusses, well, what about the tribe of Levi? The tribe of Levi, they weren't counted. What about all the women? They weren't counted either. Presumably, they then survived. 120 years old. It was his time, but he could He wanted to go into the promised land. God told him he could not. I mean, maybe he was old and frail. The Torah says he did not get old, and he did not get frail. So the Torah says. So what did they do wrong? So, before we get to answer the question, what did they do wrong? One of the great. Torah commentaries is Rabbi Avram ibn Ezra. He lived about 800 years ago, the early 1200s or late 1100s. And uh, one of the great Torah commentaries and um, and Jewish thinkers. And he points out that, he quotes from others who point out that the very notion that Moses and Aaron did something wrong, rebelled against God itself is problematic after all the whole Torah that we have is from Moses everything we know from God we heard the Ten Commandments but that was it the rest of it we got from Moses we trusted Moses to give it to us if Moses would rebel against God how do you know maybe the other things he did were also in maybe the things he told us were also wrong Maybe God told him one thing. He said, I'm not going to tell him that. Or I want to tell him something else. If Moses can do wrong, then how do you trust him on anything else he told us? Unless if we believe that every word in the Torah must be true, which is a basic belief in Judaism, we must then presume that Moses can do no wrong. So therefore, the very notion that Moses did wrong um, is um, would would be would not fit with our Jewish values. The Ibn Ezra himself rejects this view, and he says, "Well, there's a big difference here. We believe, and we definitely believe, that in transmitting the Torah, Moses did no wrong. He transmitted it to us accurately. He gave us the information exactly as God told him." He wrote down the written Torah word for word exactly as God told him he didn't mess anything up. Had he messed anything up, God would have punished him immediately. would have been very severe. God didn't give him an option to mess anything up. And we're certain that he didn't mess anything up. Had he messed up, God would have found a way to let us know by punishing Moses for doing so. So we believe that the Torah that he gave us was accurate. But in his own personal life, in his own actions outside of transmitting the Torah, he's human like anybody else. And so he could have done things wrong. He could have either knowingly or unknowingly he could have done things wrong, um, accidental, or knowingly done things, rebelled against God. Um, while we, we believe in what he says, doesn't mean that Moses never did anything wrong. The book In the book of Job it says, There's no righteous person in the land that does good and doesn't sin. Everybody does things wrong. However, the truth is that our sages struggled to accept that a saintly person like Moses, who spoke to God regularly and was so careful in everything he did and was so dedicated to God, would openly rebel against God. And they generally agree that whatever Moses did wrong, and Aaron for that matter, was relatively minor. And, pos- po- uh, and possibly, many suggest, that whatever he did was well-intentioned. And yet, God punished him severely for his minor fra- infractions, because God has higher expectations of greater people. The Talmud says God is very, has very high expectations of greater people, people who struggle with difficult things with major transgressions, God credits them if they overcome their evil inclination. People that don't have those kind of struggles, people who are driven to do the right thing, they do a minor infraction, God punishes them for that minor infraction. Everyone has their own battles. And God expects each person to win their battles. Moses might not have the battles that we have, or that others have, but he had his own battles. Those what we would consider minor for Moses was major. Yes, Bill? I
2: don't understand that this seems to make God into a despot, and um, I wonder...
0: Why would you say that?
2: Because he punishes
0: somebody... Why does God punish people who do wrong? Why does God punish people who do wrong? That's a very, very good question. It's really a topic for another class um, as to why God punishes people, but I'll just give you briefly... um, We believe that God... Pays people back for their actions. It's one of the fundamental beliefs in Judaism that you do good, you get good. You do bad, you get bad. That doesn't ma- That's not because God dislikes you and wants to get you back. Has some kind of sense of revenge, or you know wants to harm you or something like that. Um, it's rather a reward and punishment system. There's consequences for your actions, and God wants you to know when you do things, there are consequences. There are consequences for the things that you do. It's a basic belief in Judaism that God has consequences. We believe that God is all merciful. The Torah says he's slow to punish. Gives you a lot of chances. But he does punish. And there are consequences for our actions. It's not out of um, anger or out of, um, you know, out of revenge. But out of trying to hold us. It's like a parent punishes their child. You punish your child. Because if you don't, they don't learn Yes, Debbie. Well, does that mean when people die, God's taking their life because they did something wrong? Well, everyone dies. I know. <laughs> the Talmud says even people who never ever did anything wrong. The Talmud says that even anyone who dies, uh, even people who do nothing wrong, still die because that's what God decreed. Moses and Aaron, though, are clearly punished. In other words, they died before go, right before going into the promised land. They could have gotten to see the promised land that they had spent their whole lives or 40 years waiting to go into. God punished them not allowing them to see the promised land. The Torah is very clear about that. It was a punishment. Could have let them go for a few more months. Yes, Barry?
2: It just seems disp- disproportionate.
0: We're going to get to, well, what did he do wrong? We didn't yet say what they did wrong.
2: Yeah, but I'm, I'm talking about this.
0: We'll, we'll soon get to. Yeah, first we have to know what they did wrong before we can judge how proportionate it is. Rob?
1: Yeah, I was going to say the same thing for instance,
0: King David. I think about it, he did a lot worse. Well, we'll get to. Each person gets judged not by their by God, not by their actions, but by their expectations. Right. So somebody who struggles with things in life and then. Um, and overcomes their struggles, even if maybe they've failed a few times. God credits them for that. People that don't struggle in the same way, but their struggles are very minor. Those, that's their struggles. God, so God treats each person based on their actions. Um, King David is a subject of its own. We did a class on King David a little while back. But King David himself is, a, is its own subject. Yes, go ahead. But we'll get to the explanations. Very good. So there's a lot of answers. This is a riddle, as I mentioned before. What did Moses and Aaron do wrong? The Torah doesn't tell us. And so we got to figure it out. So a lot of people in the last 3,000 years have attempted to figure it out, going back to the Midrashim and the various commentaries that we have over thousands of years, all d- discuss this question, what exactly did they do wrong? And the best-known explanation comes from the Bed Medrash and is quoted by Rashi. It's definitely the most famous explanation and also the most, more commentary seem to like this explanation than any other. And that is, God told Moses, take your stick and go speak to the rock and water will come out. Moses didn't listen. He took his stick went to the rock, and he hit the rock. He did not obey God's instructions. Now, Aaron was there too. Aaron was with him, accompanying him, didn't stop him, support him in doing so. So Moses and Aaron together are punished. Now, this explanation fits fairly well with the words of the Torah. Um, You did not trust me that... Speaking to the rock will make it bring out water. You did not make me holy by speaking to the rock, as I said, and therefore you are being punished. But it's somewhat problematic because it seems like a really minor infraction. Particularly, it appears to be unintentional. Moses didn't believe he was doing the wrong thing. He did, not it wasn't like God told him, go speak to the rock. And he had this very strong temptation to hit the rock and struggled with his temptation and then gave into it, right? It wasn't like he knowingly went against God's will because he couldn't control himself, you know, the way other people sin. He made an honest error. God, he thought, God said, take your stick. Last time God told him to get water from a rock, God told him to hit the rock. God said, take your stick and speak to the rock. He assumed God means to hit it. He made an honest mistake in judgment. So, what what was so terrible about it? It's an honest mistake. Yes, he should have, he should have known better. You could, you could say he, he was, after all, the man God had spoken to and given instructions to for 40 years. If anyone knows what God means, Moses should be able to figure it out. God expected him to figure it out and he failed to do so. But for that, maybe he was, maybe he did not think through it properly. So he didn't, so maybe you could call it negligent. But it was a fairly honest mistake, and it seems to be very minor. Big deal. You hit the rock, you speak to it, does it really matter? So Raji tells us that had they spoken to the rock, had Moses and Aaron spoken to the rock, as God told us, God told them, it would have taught the people a very powerful lesson. The rock is not alive. But Moses gives it instructions from God, it listens. You people do the same. I give you instructions from God, like the rock, you better listen. That lesson that Moses was going to teach them could only be taught by speaking to the rock and he failed to teach them that important lesson. Another commentary the Siparno, Ravavajah Siparno explains, takes it a step further. He points out there are two types of miracles. Some miracles happen by someone doing an action, and it results in a miracle. God told Moses, hit the water, it will turn into blood. Throw your stick to the ground, it will turn into a snake. This is earlier. Stretch your hand over the water and it will split when the sea splits. And then there are miracles where no one does anything. It just happens on its own. The second type of miracle, where it happens totally on its own, is a much, much greater miracle. There was no human action whatsoever. It's much, much more powerful. So it's not just an issue of hitting the rock or speaking to a rock. When you hit the rock, Moses did something to bring out the water. It was miraculous. Hitting rocks doesn't normally result in water coming out. It was a miracle. But he did something to generate that miracle. When Moses, if he were to speak to the rock, he's doing nothing. And it just comes out on its own. He did absolutely nothing. It would be so much greater a miracle. And God wanted Moses to perform this greater miracle. And that way, have this great impact on the people. And they failed to do so. They failed to speak to the rock. It was a fairly innocent mistake. But because Moses and Aaron were such great people, God punished them for this minor, minor infraction. And therefore, because of this, they did not get to go into the Promised Land. Now this explanation, a lot of commentaries like it because it fits in the words and, um, and uh, it comes from the Medrash, it's one of the earliest explanations we have, but it's still very hard to accept. It seems so minor and so unfair. They spoke to the rock, they hit the rock rather than speaking to it, so it was a much lesser miracle. So they didn't teach them the lesson that you've got to listen when God speaks. But it was an honest mistake. You're really going to punish them that their life dream of going into the promised land is taken away from them? Is that really fair? And yes, they were so great. It still doesn't seem fair. Yes, Tom?
1: It seems to me that if we accept this explanation that the error was not talking but hitting the rock, it begs the question, how come water came out of the rock when it was hit by the staff was not the direction given by God.
0: That's an excellent question. Why then did, if God said not, said to speak to it, and they hit it and said, why did God produce water? So the the Torah actually says they hit the rock twice. And Rashi says, well, the reason why they hit it twice, first time water didn't come out, because they weren't supposed to hit the rock. Second time they hit it, though, God didn't want the people to see that the miracle that Moses was about to make didn't happen. So God allowed it to happen. But still, it didn't happen the way it was supposed to.
1: First time that you referred to when he did was instructed to hit the rock, he was told to hit it twice, was he not? No. Okay. Yes, Bill. I think it could be interpreted that
2: he gave a message to the rock with the tap, and I don't know if God said you can't use anything else with uh, some verbal uh, speech.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, that's probably what Moses thought the first time. That's what he thought. Turns out, according to this explanation, at least he was wrong. But that's the way Moses interpreted God's words. The same way the way Bill thinks that um, he was meant to speak to the rock by hitting it. Well,
2: how do we know that him hitting the rock was what caused the punishment? Maybe he did something else.
0: We don't. The question is, what is it? Yeah. So, so this is one him commentary him. that is probably the most well-known explanation. Yes, Marla?
2: seems like Moses did something far worse than that.
0: Yes, the the, the big problem with this commentary is it seems very unfair.
2: And what, what seems to me to be far worse than that is not trusting God. God promised them that to lead them into the promised land, and they doubted that, and he allowed the people to doubt that by sending spies. Now the spies lived, because they actually went into Israel. The people... Were too afraid to step foot in Israel, never got to see it.
0: But Moses and Aaron did they doubt God? What did Moses and Aaron doubt God?
2: Well, they went along with the people instead of.
0: Very good point. We're gonna t- that's an I excellent that's answer. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're gonna get to that's actually one of the explanations we're gonna touch on, <laughs> at least in part. So there are many, many other answers given. Rabbi Chaim ben Chaim Benatar, um, a Moroccan scholar from the. Um, from the 1700s, one of the most famous commentaries on the Torah, um, lists 10 different explanations. Another scholar from the um, 1500s, Don Yitzchak Barbanel lists also 10 explanations, not the same 10, somewhat overlapping, but not the same 10. But there are many, many explanations. Another person lists 13 explanations, but there's, there's more, there's a lot of explanations that are offered. I'm going to give you a handful of them. I'm not going to give you a full exhaustive list, but I will give you um, a handful of the explanations um, that are given by various commentaries. One explanation quoted by Reb Ram ibn Ezra is that Moses hit the rock twice instead of hitting it once. He should have hit it once and he hit it twice, hit it a second time. Why did he hit it a second time? Why didn't he hit it the first time? So the Ezra says when Moses performed a miracle, he needed to be very, very focused on God at that moment. He needed to have special, what we call in Hebrew, kavana, special focus at that moment, focus on God, and be connected, his mind connected to God at the moment he's performing a miracle. Miracles don't just come out like that. It was very hard to perform a miracle. And what happened was he was upset at the people. He was quarreling with the people. And so because of that, the first time he hit the rock, he wasn't focused. And so it didn't work. And then the second time, he focused and he hit the rock and the water came out. But because the first time he hit the rock and it didn't come out, it showed the people that God can't make the miracle that Moses had promised. It got them, at least for a moment, to doubt God. And it was Moses' fault, because he didn't perform the miracle properly. Because he was distracted by the quarrels with the people. So because of that, Moses is punished, because he caused the people for a moment to doubt God, because he did not perform the miracle properly. Another explanation that Ezra gives is that Moses failed to praise God following the miracle. We know after the sea was split, Moses sang a song to God. Moses failed to praise God after the miracle. Much later in the following chapter, Moses sings a praise thanking God for the water. And that's because he had been punished for not praising God, so he tried to make up for it and praises God later for the water. And we know when God does a miracle for you, you have to thank him. You have to show your appreciation. Failing to do so, God um, can result in punishment. Um, we find much later, uh, later King Hezekiah, who also experiences a great miracle, is punished for failing to praise God after his miracle. Another explanation is, when he turns to Israel, saying, when he turns to Israel, he gathers them by the rock, and he turns to Israel, he says, Shimonah hamorim, listen you rebels, he calls them rebels, he called God's people by a derogatory name, he called Jews rebels, how can you call God's children rebels? In fact, we find, and Maimonides points this out, we find that whenever a Jewish leader speaks badly of God's people, they get punished. Moses already earlier, when God first met him at the burning bush, said, they won't believe me. The people won't believe me, tells God. And God said, put, it shows him three signs, three miracles. One of the miracles is put your hand inside your lap and take it out. And he put it inside... And took it out, and it was white with this white skin ailment called tzara that a person got when they spoke slander about someone. God said, You slandered my people. You spoke bad. You said they won't believe you. How do you know? Much later, we're told that Elijah, the prophet Elijah, says, Your nation Israel has rebelled against your covenant. God says Elijah if you speak bad about my people you don't deserve to lead them anymore you will die or he ended up becoming an angel going to heaven and becoming an angel story of its own and we've told the story before at this class so but he he was punished for speaking bad about the people of Israel and the prophet Isaiah says we're going to read in this week's half haftorah." I sit among a impure people with impure lips God says, how dare you speak about my people like that? God punished Isaiah for that. See here God is punishing Moses for saying listen you rebels how dare you call my people a name never speak bad of God's people Yes
1: Earlier on you said that um, God God told Moses to speak to the but you also said that, that Moses asked the
0: very good so another answer given very good is that Moses turns to the people and said listen you rebels can water come out of this rock Now the simple explanation is that he was speaking rhetorically right can he was challenging them do you think water can come out of this rock let me show you But by saying that, even though he meant it rhetorically, as Ken pointed out, he is questioning God's ability before the people. And maybe they thought, hmm, maybe water cannot come out of the rock. He doubted God's ability before the people. He meant to just ask it rhetorically. They should understand that, of course, God's going to perform a miracle. He was challenging them to see God's miracle. But that challenge itself could have been understood in a way that they would doubt God. You've got to be very, very, very careful with your words. Later in Pirkei Avot, in Ethics of Our Father, it says, Chachamim <laughs> Sages, scholars, be careful with your words. People often mishear you. You don't only have to be careful not to say the wrong thing. You've got to be careful not to say something that people will mishear and think it is something else. Today with the council culture, we know that everyone has to be careful that way. But always a leader should be careful not to say something. I've learned many times over the years, often I say one thing, people hear something else. You've got to be careful not just with what I say, with what we say, but with the think of the way other people will take your words and how they're going to understand it. And Moses failed to do that. Very good kid. Yes, Bill?
2: Or any of the explanations of wa- that that maybe the people were thirsty, and Moses really was also, and he was in a, a rush to make sure they got their thirst quenched.
0: Well, it doesn't say that he was a rush in a rush, but it does, I think someone mentioned this earlier. Another explanation is by Maimonides, says that Moses' mistake was he got angry at the people. He said, listen, you rebels, because he was upset at them. He got angry at the people, right? Getting angry at the people itself was a reason for, for Moses to get punished. In fact, some commentaries say that when Moses said, you, listen, you rebels, do you think water will come out of this rock? He actually was quarreling with the people, the Midrash says, where the people came to it. Moses said, I want everyone to gather at the rock. People gathered around, the, around a rock, Moses says, no, that's not the one, it's the other one that God wanted me to get water out of. They said, no, we want water from this rock. So Moses gets upset at them. says, listen, you rebels, you think God's going to bring water out of this rock? He's not bringing water out of this rock. He's bringing water out of that rock. And so that anger, where he got upset at them, that's why he was punished. Oh, much later, 40 years later. We're 40 years, we're fast forward 40 years. This at the very end of their time in the desert. Yes, Don?
1: You say that Moses was punished for getting angry at the people, yet numerous times in the Torah we see that he said that God gets angry at the people, and it's Moses who calms him down and says not to. So if that's a natural reaction that God has, how can he not accept
0: it? That's a very good question. I think it's really a subject of its own about God's anger. We don't believe God has emotions. Emotions are human. When we say God gets angry, we mean he responded in a way that if a human would respond, we would call it anger. But not that God himself feels any emotion. That would be a human thing. Uh, Moses uh, did get angry previously, and sometimes getting angry is the right thing. You should get upset at least at somebody doing something wrong. Sometimes, there are times that getting upset is valid. And so, the, Ibn Ezra points out that he should have gotten upset. The people were challenging God. He said, we want to go back to Egypt. He should have gotten upset. There was good reason for him to get upset. Why should he be punished for that? But That's the answer Maimonides offers. Another great scholar from, is from, the, 10, from the 900s, Rabbeinu Hananel, says that their mistake was... They turned to the people, they said, or what they did wrong was, they turned to the people, they said, listen, you rebels, will we bring water out of this rock? They said, will we bring water, taking credit for the miracle themselves? They're not producing water. God is producing water. For taking credit for God's miracle, that's a very serious infraction. And for that they got paid. Yes.
2: What period of time elapsed between him hitting the rock and the people going into
0: Israel? About a year. So when did, w- when did Moses find out that he wouldn't be able to... Right after there? he hit the rock. Okay. So Rav Yosef Albo... Um, One of our great Jewish thinkers has a different explanation. He says, what they did wrong was when the people complained that they had no water, Moses turns to God and says, what do I do? He shouldn't have turned to God. He should have just gone himself and produced water from the rock without God telling him anything. By now, after 40 years of leadership, he shouldn't keep going back to God every time he needs something. He knows how to do it. He did it before. He should have figured that last time I had trouble, I went and hit the rock, and water came out. Let me just go do it again. He shouldn't have to go back to God every time. He still needs God to hold his hand after 40 years. And so that was what they should have learned, Moses and Aaron should have learned to lead the people on their own. At a certain point, God's got to let go, and they have to learn to do it themselves. And that's where they failed. Gaston. To go. That's a uh, very good that's question. That's an excellent question. Um, so Rashi and the Midrash tells us that the rock that originally Moses had hit continued tra- with, traveling with them producing water throughout the time in the desert. Um, the same rock was the one that Moses hit again according to Rashi. It's the same rock, but it stopped producing water. Why did it stop producing water? It stopped producing water right when Miriam died. In fact, the verse tells us Miriam, Moses' older sister, died. And immediately afterwards, they had no water to drink. And so, Rashi tells us that's because the water that they had all these years was in honor of Miriam. So, with Miriam's death, it disappeared. So, Dan Yitzchaka one of our great Jewish thinkers from the 1500s, offers a very interesting approach. He points out that in Parsha Dvarim, this week's Parsha, and again in next week's Parsha, Moses tells the people, I'm not going get to get to go into the Promised Land because of you. He blames them for it. Now, this seems to contradict what the Torah says many times, that it was because Moses and Aaron failed to honor God, to make God holy before the people. So some commentaries explain that really it's indirectly because of the people. They complained. Moses ended up doing whatever he did wrong there when trying to produce the water. And as a result, he didn't get to go into the promised land. But had they never complained... The whole incident would have never happened. So it was all started because of the people. They were indirectly responsible. And this explanation is indeed supported in a verse in Psalms that says, They got angry, they angered God, the people angered God at the waters of quarrel, and Moses was punished because of them. So, because the people angered God, as a result, indirectly, Moses ended up getting punished. So, so very good, so Marla points out, and really this is what Daniel Yitzchak Barbanel points out, what Marla's been saying, that in this week's parasha, in Devarim, it actually, so when Moses says, I didn't get to go into the promised land because of you, he says, you didn't get to go into the promised land because you sent the spies and didn't want to go into the promised land, and so God punished you, and didn't let me go in either because of you, which seems to imply that Moses was punished because of the sin of the spice, And so the Abarbanel says, you know, whatever happened at the waters of Meriva, whatever happened at the, when, Mo, with this, when Moses produced water from the rock, clearly was not an egregious transgression for which Moses should be, and Aaron should be punished so severely not to go into the promised land. There was something else that they did wrong. He points out Moses did something wrong with the sin of the spies. He was really responsible for the whole incident. The people came to Moses and said, we want to send spies into the promised land to see what sort of land it is. Moses turns to God and says, the people want to send spies, can they? God says, do whatever you want. I'm not going to tell you what to do. Moses says, I'm going to send the spies. Why did he do it? Well, Rashi tells us that he was afraid if he said you can't send them, they'll say what's he hiding? So he wanted to be open. He wanted to be transparent. So transparency meant that he's got to tell. He's got to tell them. Uh, allow them to send the spies. Want to be transparent? But it was a mistake. God clearly had not encouraged it. He should not have done it. Furthermore, furthermore he sins. When God told him, to, when the people asked to send spies, they said, we want to just hear what sort of land it is, to scout out the land as their works. We want to learn about the land. Let's hear what sort of land it is. Moses speaks to them and sends the spies and gives them instructions to scout out the land, see what sort of land it is, bring back some fruit, some samples, but also see what sort of people it is. Are they strong? Are they weak? Are the cities heavily fortified or not? He's asking them to pass judgment on how strong the land is. He essentially encouraged them to come back and say whether they can conquer it or not. They followed his instructions, essentially. They came back and said, no, it's, it's ve- the people are very, very strong and mighty, great warriors, and the cities are very heavily fortified. <coughs> Following his instructions. But he gave them those instructions. He should have never told them that. He should have said, go check out what sort of land it is, what sort of fruit it has. How the produce is. Bring us back some samples, and that was it. He shouldn't have asked them to figure out to speak, come back and talk about the strength of the land. So he was really partly, partially responsible for the entire for the entire incident. And so, therefore, Moses really should have been punished for the sin of the spies, together with everyone else. Yes, Marla. Okay, but
2: the spies got to go to Israel.
0: He said- they didn't. Oh, they went in just for when they spied out the land. No, 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 they all died. Except for the two good ones. Two of them came back saying, yes, we can conquer the land. Those two got to go in. I think
2: the better answer would be, I trust God, I will go
0: in. Both should have left the people and gone in himself. Well, I don't know if he would have wanted to leave the people.
2: Well, you're showing the example of trust God.
0: Well, he's the leader. I don't know if the leader can, lead the peop- can leave the people. Um, I don't know if that's a fair... He should have said, no, we're not sending in spies. We're going to be there in a few days. Yeah. We're going. Or that would be another way to right. do it. That That's what he do should have said. But right? I don't think the sending spies
2: business is, is a good idea.
0: It wasn't a good idea. Clearly <laughs> it wasn't. What about, what about Aaron? What about Aaron? Aaron wasn't involved. He was involved in the hitting the rock He was standing there with Moses. But he wasn't involved in ascending spies. His name's not mentioned in that story. Aaron has a much bigger problem. Aaron had a bigger incident much earlier with the golden cuff. When Moses was up on Mount Sinai, the people came to Aaron and said, Moses is gone, he's not coming back. Make us a golden cuff. Instead of saying no, Aaron said, go bring me your gold. And he put throw into fire and he fashioned the golden cuff. He made them a golden cuff as they requested. They said, This is our God. He said, Wait till tomorrow morning, we'll celebrate tomorrow morning. Next morning they come, they celebrate. Aaron was the one who made the golden cuff. He was never punished for it. Why not? So Moses actually asks Aaron, what happened? Why did you make them a golden cuff? And the way Rashi understands Aaron's explanation is that essentially what happened was the people came to Aaron. They said, Moses is coming back. Make us a golden cuff. Or we'll make one ourselves. Aaron says, you know what? I'll make it for you. Now, firstly, Rashi tells us that originally... There were three leaders in the desert. Moses, Aaron, and they had a nephew whose name was Hur, who was, Aaron and Chor were the ones that Moses left in charge of the people when he went up on the mountain. And then Chor disappears. We never hear of him again. And so the Midrash tells us the people killed Chor. He refused to be involved in the golden calf. They killed him. They said, Aaron will do the same to you if you don't cooperate. But it went further. Aaron knew that Moses was going to come back the next morning. He told him, Moses coming tomorrow morning. Just wait till tomorrow morning. They weren't ready to wait. So Aaron says, let me make a golden calf. You go bring me the gold. And he did it very, 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 very slowly. By the time he finished, it was already dark. He said, it's dark outside. Can't worship the, your calf when it's dark. Leave it here. Come back tomorrow morning you'll worship it in the morning. So what he was doing essentially was he was delaying them delayed them all day by being very slow in producing the calf, delaying them until Moses came back the next morning. He miscalculated. Well, Moses came back early the next morning, the people got up even earlier. They were so excited for this golden calf. They got up super early before Moses came down. By the time Moses came down from the mountain, They were already well into their celebrations. So Aaron had done so trying to slow them down. He had meant well. Still. So that's why God didn't punish him at the time. Still, it was a serial transgression. He was the one that built the golden calf. And so therefore he gets punished for it. Moses gets punished for sending the spies. Aaron gets punished for worshipping the golden calf. However, says Abarbanel, Moses... God did not want to tell us what Moses and Aaron did wrong. It would be be disrespectful. Moses and Aaron are our greatest leaders of all time. It would be wrong to tell us what Moses and Aaron did wrong. So to tell us about their serious transgressions. We don't want to speak negatively of them. So God found a very, very minor transgression, a little thing. They hit the rock instead of speaking to it, or whatever else the minor transgression would have been. And said, you're not going to get to go into the promised land because of this minor transgression. But that's not the real reason. That was just the excuse. The real reason was because of their major transgression. Because sending the spies, making the golden calf. God didn't want to share that with us, so the Torah makes it as if it was for a minor transgression. Yes, Lewis.
1: Yes. That's a serious punishment. It is,
0: yes. To yes, Rashi tells us that was a punishment for... The Torah doesn't say so explicitly, but Rashi does say that. Um, either this explanation would not accept that, or maybe God, he should have died himself if he didn't, and so now he gets this other punishment. Yes? Yes, because they didn't want to go into the Promised Land. So the Talmud in the Book of Shabbos seems to imply, tells us, that Adam and Eve, speaks of Adam and Eve's sin, Adam, they didn't really do anything wrong. People think that they did something wrong, they didn't really do anything wrong, so says the Talmud, or they were set up, and that's a class of, own. So we'll discuss maybe one time what that means. Thomas says the same thing about Moses and Aaron. They were really set up. It wasn't that they did a particular transgression and God said, because of this, you don't deserve to go into the promised land. Rather, God had no intention of sending them into the promised land. And God just needed something to excuse not sending them into the promised land. It was just an excuse. Similar to Adam's eating from the tree of knowledge. Adam and Eve ate from the tree, it was just an excuse. God wanted to banish them from the Garden of Eden regardless. God had a different plan for history. Same was with Moses and Aaron. Now Barbanel explains that had Moses gone into the land, he would have made sure that they would have fully conquered the land, getting rid of all the Canaanites and all the idol worship. There would be no idolaters in the vicinity, no idols. People would grow up never having heard of idols, because there will be no neighboring nations with idols would have gotten rid of everything, all idol worship. They would have therefore never sinned with idol worship, which ended up being their downfall. They ended up suffering and they ended up struggling because they continued turning to idol worship. The temple would have never been destroyed. In fact, had Moses gone into the Promised Land, he would have immediately built the temple and it would have stood forever. We would have never ended up in exile. We would still today be in the land of Israel life would have been, history would have taken a totally different route. Totally different path. But God had other plans. That wasn't the history that God had planned for our planet. God had other plans. So therefore he didn't let Moses and Aaron go in. So that as a result, the people were a little lazy in conquering the land. They left pockets of Canaanites and other neighboring nations they didn 't conquer much of the land. they didn 't destroy all the idols. They ended up sinning and worshiping idols. They ended up being conquered by nearby nations. They ended up building the temple, but they were still had this idol worship problem. and um, as a result, eventually the temples destroyed because of their idol worship and other transgressions, and eventually they um, we go into exile, and we've been in exile for over 2,000 years, and we're mourning that during this period. But that was the plan for history. Had Moses and Aaron gone into the Promised Land, they would have ruined the whole plan. They weren't meant to go into the Promised Land. God was just looking for an excuse. He found his excuse at the waters of Merivah. Yes, Marla. I don't believe that God makes excuses. Number one, okay. and
2: Mm-hmm. Or to do your own thing. Mm-hmm. And every time you do your own thing, you pay for it.
0: Yes. Yes. Very well put. Very well put. Okay. Whatever so you do, you've got to follow You're God's right. will so or there's consequences. It, yeah.
2: Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> What's. Yes, Stuart.
0: Uh, did Aaron and Moses not realize that they could not be allowed the promised land until that moment? That is a very good question. um I was debating on whether I should include that, but I will now. Um, there are implications earlier in the Torah when Aaron and Moses had this inkling they weren't going to go into the promised land. In fact, Rashi tells us that the burning bush, Moses is already telling God, you know, I don't think I'm going to ever make it to the promised land. And um, complains about that already at the burning bush. So yes, there seems to be implications in the Torah that they did sense they weren't going to make it in but they weren't told so explicitly until this point. The truth is, though, as the Ramban, Ramosha Nachman, one of our great Jewish thinkers from the 1200s and great commentary on the Torah, points out that this entire debate and question exists because the Torah chose not to tell us. The Torah chose to hide the reason why Moses and Aaron didn't go into the Promised Land. It didn't tell us. It tells us the story of what happened in the waters of Meriva. It tells us that God said, you, because you did not believe in me and make me holy, you will not go into the promised land. But it does not say clearly what they did wrong. So ultimately, we have all these explanations because we really don't know the true answer as to why God chose for Moses and Aaron not to go into the promised land. Maybe as... Along what we quote earlier from the Barbanel, God simply did not want to speak negatively of Mosanir. Whatever they did wrong, maybe the Torah didn't want to say it. Keep it quiet. They're our greatest heroes. So the Torah didn't want to say clearly. Or perhaps, as is often true when speaking of God, that the true reason is maybe beyond human comprehension. God has his own reasons. And sometimes we can we can debate and we could theorize as to why God does various things, ultimately we may truly never understand. And so God chose not to tell us clearly why they didn't go into the Promised Land. It left room for commentaries to spend a lot of time and a lot of ink trying to figure it out. And there are, there is, a lot has been written on this subject. I've just covered it in very, very much in brief. But there's much much more on this subject but God chose not to tell us but what we see regardless is that there appears to have been a plan all along for Moses not to go into the promised land because had he entered as we said we would have never sinned we would have never gone to exile Kabbalah explains that Moses offered this powerful all powerful revelation of God that would have had Moses given us this powerful revelation of God and born to the promised land had he built the temple he would have infused it in the temple. We would have had an open Moses like relationship with God similar to the relationship the people had when they left Egypt. God spoke to them they were able to ask Moses and get direct answers. They had regular miracles. We would have been in a totally different state but God had other plans. God didn't want us to be like that. God didn't want Moses to live forever or to be our leader forever. God didn't want a Moses-like leader to lead us forever. God didn't want to continue giving us instructions and continue talking to us. People often ask, well, how come God never speaks to us anymore? God didn't want to continue talking to us forever. God wanted to give us instructions, gave us a period, a 40-year period, where we regularly were in communication through Moses with God. And then God said, it's over. Now you guys are on your own. For another thousand years, we had temples and we had prophets that helped a little bit. And then that was gone. And God said, now you guys are really on your own. Now you've got to figure this out yourself. You've got to do this on your own. That was God's plan for us. God wanted us to do it on our own. It's not easy, but that's the beauty of it. We're able to do it, and we're still here today. We've succeeded to a large extent. Not 100%, but we've succeeded. We're still here today, still following God's instructions. And it really teaches us a lesson about our lives in general. Sometimes things don't go the way we expect. People have plans, and God laughs. Things don't go the way we expect. Things go wrong. In fact, our sages say throughout history, Things have always gone wrong, from Adam and Eve eating from the tree and being banished from the Garden of Eden, to Moses not getting to go into the Promised Land, to our temples being destroyed. Things have always gone wrong. And we're disappointed, we're upset about it, we mourn the destruction of the temples on Tisha B'Av. It's important to always remember this was the plan. This is the way it was meant to be. This is what God's plan was for us. Even when things go wrong, that is God's plan. In fact, um, the Midrash tells us, and Kabbalah explains, that when God originally created our world, God created our world, to put it in modern software terms, with a bug in it. The Torah tells us that God spoke and the world was created. God said, let there be light and there was light. God said, let the earth produce vegetation. Let the earth produce vegetation. Except one thing went wrong, says the Midrash. God said, let the earth produce vegetation that will be edible, with trees that produce edible fruit and edible wood. That's what God originally said. And the earth didn't listen. It produced vegetation With vegetables and grains that are edible fruit that are edible but not wood that is edible (laughs) not to humans at least (laughs) why not the earth didn't listen to God says the Midrash how can the earth not listen to God so essentially God put a bug in creation when he created creation the software had a bug in it and so God said gave it one command and it ended up doing something else that's the way he generated creation. You plan one thing, and it ends up going in a different direction. That's the way our world is built. Things don't go according to plan. It's built like that. The original, the, the, the underlying software of our world, if you will, or godly power in our world, is built in a corrupted way. You say one thing, and it goes the other way. So things go wrong all the time but we don't realize it's all part of the plan. That's the way God built it. So when things go wrong, Moses and Aaron don't get to go into the promised land. They were very disappointed. That Moses describes his disappointment in next week's parsha. They were very disappointed. And yet, God tells that, God. we know that it's all part of God's plan. There's a purpose for it all. There's a reason for it all. That itself was the plan.